Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. I'm your host, Roy Morjan, president of Inventus Partners, the top full-service turnkey product development and crowdfunding marketing agency in the world. We have helped startups raise over $100 million for our clients since 2010. Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and The Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data, and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am excited to be joined with Erica Rosen with the BioLite campaign. Erica, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me here. So you are officially the director of marketing over at BioLite. Um, you've been there uh, half of a decade now, which is awesome. You guys have an active campaign, which is absolutely crushing it. I think currently, you know, over 1.8 million raised. You guys are trending well over 2 million right now. This is your third campaign that you've now launched on Kickstarter. Tell our audience all about where kind of this, this project started and how you guys got involved with Kickstarter. Definitely. So um, BioLate, just as a quick background, we make personal scale energy products for outdoor lovers and also families living in energy poverty across India and sub-Saharan Africa. So we've been in the business of making stoves, lights, and solar panels for close to half a decade, as you mentioned. And we've been working with Kickstarter since 2012 with the launch of our base camp stove. One of the reasons that we love Kickstarter so much is uh, it's an incredibly vibrant and engaged community. And, you know, BioLite makes technical products that come with a long backstory. We like talking about how the physics behind our products work. We like talking about the benefits of it. And we also just like nerding out on the science of it. And Kickstarter really fosters an environment where people, frankly, just have a longer attention span. And so it really allows you to tell a, a deep, robust, comprehensive story and a really honest story. So, yeah, we've been doing that since 2012 on Kickstarter. And our most recent project is the BioLite Fire Pit, which we're working on right now. And it is a smokeless, wood-burning campfire that also doubles as a hibachi grill. It's our first product that is dual fuel, so you can burn both charcoal and firewood. And it really kind of reimagines the way you spend your time around a traditional campfire. You guys have put some serious engineering into this product. Talk about kind of the, the backstory of how this product came to life. Yeah, so the the backstory is a bit is twofold. So BioLite has been in the business of fire since the inception of the company. We were founded by two guys, Alec and Jonathan, who were out to make a better camping stove. They were frustrated that they were using you know, traditional gas canisters and they were like, "Well, I want I want to burn wood. Like wood is what belongs in the outdoors and I want to I want a tiny, you know, portable campfire." And so that's how our first flagship product, the BioLite camp stove was born. And then they actually took a prototype to a combustion conference out west in Seattle. 
because such a thing exists. And uh, they went to this combustion conference and all the people there were like, you, you realize your applications, your physics and the science behind your products have applications on the other side of the world where people are cooking over smoky wood fires every day. And Alec and Jonathan at the time did not know that. But that's where they went from having a cool idea to having an actual business and, and having a reason for being and starting a company. And so we have been in, we've been dedicated to clean combustion since the beginning and really about cleaning up wood fires. And so the way that we do that is through carefully calibrated air injection. So we better mix the um, particles inside of the fire, which creates a more uniform temperature, uh, which improves combustion. And we took that same technology and brought it into the fire pit. And the reason that we made a fire pit, so the, the two previous products we've made, the camp stove in outdoor markets, and then the base camp and home stove, which is a larger format, those are designed to be more of like a burner. Like you, you kind of light it up and you get this concentrated flame and it's meant for cooking with like pots and pans and that sort of thing. And that's what we were doing. We were making cook stoves. That's kind of, that's where we started. Every year, the BioLite team goes on an annual off-grid trip. We kind of call it our, our honesty trip, where we take all of our gear with us and we go stay on a remote island for four days and we put our products to the test. We make sure that we can live off-grid because that's the promise that we want to make to our community. And so we go off-grid every year and we every year build a campfire. You know, we have all of our stuff. Sure, we have our cook stove, we have our lights, we have our solar panels. But we always wanted a campfire to go along with it because of the ambiance, you know, the natural glow and pull and warmth of a campfire. And what we found was that we were always playing musical chairs. You know, we were always, somebody was always getting up and moving around because a huge plume of smoke was wafting in their direction. And so finally, two years ago, we were sitting around the campfire and somebody was like, you know, we should really do something about this. And like, like, could we, could we make a better campfire? Could we do that? And, you know, we'd been so focused on just cook stove, cook stove, cook stove. And we took a moment and we were like, yeah, I think we can. And so that's how it got born. It was born out of sort of this, this kind of passion side project where we just wanted a better campfire. And so we've been prototyping for the last two years and then finally launched this fall. That is awesome. So let's talk to our audience a little bit about some of the challenges that you guys have encountered when designing this product. I'm sure that there's been a lot of learnings gone on along the way in terms of making it as efficient as it is. Totally. So yeah, I think that one of the biggest, two of the, two of the biggest challenges was um, how big the fire pit should be. Uh, I think a lot of people are used to big, giant campfires with you know, 10 logs at a time and, and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, the, the fire pit is actually pretty portable and we wanted it to be portable because a, we want you to be able to take it with you if you're going to the beach or you're going, you know, you're just hanging out in your backyard. We want it to be able to move with you, but we still want it to have the experience and, and draw of a large campfire. But one of the things that we found that was interesting is that a lot of the time campfires are so big because they're overbuilt. And the reason that they're overbuilt is because A, the fuel is being burned really inefficiently. So you need more fuel to kind of get the feel of that big fire. And then secondly, a lot of campfires have a pit. They kind of either 
go down into an ash ring or you've got like a big basin or something like that. And so you're actually using a ton of wood to just be able to see the firewood that's resting on top of it. And so the way that we solved for that, uh, for both of those issues, was that one, we are dramatically improving the combustion. And so what that does is it allows you to use far less fuel, but you still get a really big fire. Because what we're doing is we're burning the smoke before it has a chance to escape the fire. And that does two things. One, no smoke, so you're just having a better experience. But two, you're getting more mileage out of the firewood that you're burning. So even though you're only burning four logs at a time, which is kind of what the the capacity of the fire pit body is, you're actually getting the feel of a very large campfire because we're, we're cranking out every last ounce of energy from those logs. And then the second thing that we're able to do to combat the idea of overbuilding a fire is the body of the fire pit is made of perforated metal. It's something that we call x-ray mesh. And it allows you to literally see what's going on inside of your fire. And by being able to have that kind of front row seat into the complete combustion of your fire, you're not overbuilding because you can see everything. You know, you're not wasting a bunch of logs on the bottom so that you can put a bunch of logs on top. And so through, through our design process, we were basically able to help you create better control over the size of your fire which has actually led to a third benefit that like we didn't even fully realize until after the fact which is you know so many people are asking us how do you put out the campfire and what's cool about it is that because it's only four logs it actually you know if you put the fan on high it'll burn itself out pretty quickly if you want it so it gives you a ton of control over the longevity of your fire so that you don't have to do that inevitable, oh, I got to douse it with a ton of water and I have to wait for it to go out. You know, it's really easy to just toss a log in and keep it going. But if you want it to go out, you actually can expedite it pretty quickly. Yeah, really cool. We always love talking to, you know, creators that make products out of, you know, fulfilling needs that they had. So it's awesome that your off-sites basically created this, this product and now you guys are able to bring it to fruition. Let's talk about the, the crowdfunding campaign itself now. Given that you guys have done three of these campaigns, what have you done differently when launching this campaign than the others? That's a great question. So this time around, one of the biggest things that we did differently was incorporated a Kickstarter Live into, into the campaign. So one of the things that happens is, you know, you'll, you'll launch a Kickstarter campaign You'll brainstorm, you know, all of the assets and videos and FAQs you can imagine. And then your community is inevitably going to ask really smart and interesting questions that like you wouldn't have thought about, either because you already know the answer. And so you kind of have too much information or they're just they're giving you really valuable insight into how they plan on to use the product. And so it helps you become more aware of what the user experience is going to be. And so what we did is, you know, we launched, we launched this campaign. The campaign itself has a lead video, but also some smaller videos inside of it and kind of what we would call proof videos. So we have this one like spark to smokeless video where you can actually get to see the smoke disappear from the fire because we think it's really important for you to see it for yourself. So we did all of that. But then what we made sure that we did was about mm, 10 days into the campaign, we did a Kickstarter live that we had, you know, a, a loose kind of script and run through of what we wanted to cover. But what it allowed was that during the first 10 days of the campaign, we were able to pool 
all of these really thoughtful questions from the community and marry that with a live demo of the product. And I think what that did is it showed the community that we were listening to them, that we really valued their questions and their input, which is why we're on Kickstarter in the first place. And then, and then you know, thirdly, it, it kind of, no pun intended, like held our feet to the fire. Like we had to show you that this product worked over a live stream. And, you know, you can't, you can't doctor that. You can't fake that or do like a clever cutaway. Like it is just a stationary camera with a live stream. And so it really puts the product to the test. And I think that that created a lot of confidence for our uh, backers and our community. Absolutely. I mean, you guys had, I think, over 3,400 people watching your Kickstarter campaign live. So that's the beauty of live video on Kickstarter now is, you know, yeah, you can't lie. There's nothing to hide. Especially when you're doing a product demo like yours, right? Yeah, totally. And I and I think you know we we really stand behind our product, and um and I think that you know we we considered that day to be a great success. The only thing that was hard for us is that it was like during this really gnarly heat streak, and so it was like 85 degrees out, and we were like the last thing we want is a campfire, but we we found some shade and we were doing okay. Yeah, so you guys did the the mid campaign demo with s'mores at Makerspace in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. So we, this past weekend on October 7th, we were at this facility called New Lab. And it's this really awesome makerspace that provides resources and workspace to the local startup community in New York City. And they were celebrating their one year birthday. Um, and so we showed up and hung out in their parking lot with three fire pits and we fed s'mores to 3,000 people. That's a lot of s'mores. But did you get a good response out of that? Yeah, um, people. So I, I think that um, I think that one of the coolest reactions to it was people couldn't figure out what was different. Like they were, you know, they were like, "Oh, it's a fire pit." Like, "Oh, it's a," you know, like what's different about it? Like, I just see a big giant fire, and it took them like ten or twenty seconds to be like, "Oh my god, there's no smoke." oh my God, there's no smoke, you know? And I think that to us, like, that's such a cool, that's such a cool reaction because it means that the technology is doing its job well. Like your experience with the fire pit shouldn't be the experience of using technology. It should be that technology is enabling your experience of having a great fire. And so for us, like that reaction of like, what's different about it? And then like taking a minute to be like, oh my God, I'm not coughing on smoke. Like, that's exactly the response that we want. Yeah, that was killer. So one of the other awesome things that you guys have done during your campaign is actually partner with three other campaigns to offer your fireside friends. Can you talk to uh, all of our listeners about that? Yeah, totally. So I will be, I'll be totally honest with you about this one. We have a love-hate relationship with stretch goals. And the reason that we have a love-hate relationship with stretch goals is I think that it is a really great way to get excited and like get people rooting for you and that you want to hit different goals and thresholds. But stretch goals can also be a really dangerous distraction if you're not properly resourced to meet them. And I think that for us, you know, we've done stretch goals in the past and they always become a thorn in our side. They always become something that, you know, was not central to the campaign from the get-go. And we we fulfilled them and we've done them. But so for us coming this time around to our third campaign, you know, we were like, look, we we definitely want 
news to share throughout the campaign. We want stuff that people are excited about. We want stuff that, you know, helps maintain interest and momentum. But doing a stretch goal could really put the success of delivering on time at risk. You know, like what we don't want to do is just do a stretch goal for stretch goals sake and like mess up our production timelines. Because what we want to do is give you the best fire pit possible and we want to give it to you on time. So with that in mind, we were we were thinking like, well, what, what can we do? Well, part of a stretch goal is always about like, how do you enhance the experience that you're having with this product? And so for us, instead of promising a stretch goal that would, you know, put pressure on delivering the product, what we decided to do was think about what we want around a campfire. You know, like, what are the things that you want that make for a really, really great experience around a campfire? And so we went, we went back to being, you know, our off our annual off grid trip. And we thought about like, what do we do when we're around a campfire? Number one, we want to be comfy, like we, we always want like a good beer, and we want to be comfortable. So we reached out to our friends at Rumpel, and they make really, really cool throws and blankets that are made of uh, sleeping bag material. And so we partnered with them to create a throw and then these really awesome uh, beer koozies. So they're basically like tiny little sleeping bags for your beer. And then the next thing we thought was we always do a jam session. Like we always have, we always sing around the campfire. And so we partnered uh, with our friends over at Kala to feature a waterproof ukulele that I've actually been using for the last two and a half years, and I'm obsessed with it. And then the last one was uh, actually partnering with a small artisan out in Illinois who makes uh, handmade axes and hatchets. And so for us, the third thing was like, the, the key to a campfire is you want to keep it going, which means you need a reliable fuel supply, which means you need to know how to chop wood, hence the hatchet. And Justin from Manmade Co., who's the guy who makes the hatchets, uh, is this great, you know, individual artisan who's just hand making all of these hatchets. So it feels really special and, and a really one of a kind experience. And we've had just a tremendous response to these fireside friends. You know, people really look forward to them. I think it also, in my mind, you know, it's a nice departure from stretch goals because for us, like not only are these like cool enhancements that already exist, we get to put a twist on them. So we have custom colorways, we're doing a digital songbook with Kala, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think it really, really reinforces the kind of ethos of, of community and collaboration, which is such a core tenet of Kickstarter. Absolutely. So is this something that you cleared with Kickstarter beforehand in terms of creating rewards with other people's products in them? Yes, yeah. So to be to be fair and clear, you know, obviously we don't we know that Kickstarter isn't a store. We know that it's not, you know, a a place where you're just going to like hack a bunch of other products together. And so what we did is we we brought this up to Kickstarter beforehand and one of the things that we made sure was that like there is a collaborative element to each one of these partnerships. So with Rumple, you know, we're trying to get to 500 backers because if we get to do that, we the community gets to design what that blanket looks like. So it's not that we're just like grabbing blankets off the shelf. It's that we get to pick what the colorway is and it'll be a one of a kind production run. And so there is that element of collaboration. With Kala, we're working on a really fun digital songbook that accompanies the ukulele so that like if you've never played in your life, like you'll be an expert in no time. And there's like really good tips for, you know, how to get everybody singing around a campfire. 
And then with uh, with Manmade, we've been working with them on developing uh, custom colorways for the handles of the hatchets so that there is a, you know, really unique element that are BioLite flagship colors. So again, really making sure that these aren't these aren't people that we're just like cutting an invoice and, and calling it a day. Like these are longstanding relationships that we have with these folks and really collaborating on creating something special for our community. Yeah, I think it's awesome. So with all of the marketing efforts that you guys have put forth so far into this project, where have you seen the biggest return on your investment? Oh, um, it's a good question. I think that uh, one thing that we did a little bit differently this year is we really upped the production value of our video. So the lead the lead video that um, kind of kicks off the campaign is, uh, you know, it's I think it's the the video to date that we're the proudest of. And we worked with some, uh, we worked with a production studio uh, based out in the Northwest and we shot in Washington. Um, We shot in Index, Washington and Seattle, Washington. And we just like, we were like, let's make this as badass as we can. Like, what can we do to really get people excited? And so we picked some really beautiful locations. You know, they brought some really high quality equipment. You know, they they helped us edit with a really kind of exciting pace and clip and the way that we're using the motion graphics. And I think that um, the the kind of oh shit factor is higher than any other video we've done. Absolutely. I mean, it certainly captivates the audience and we'll make sure to include that in the links on the uh, on the website. So that's great to hear that. You know, we see a lot of campaigners sometimes want to cut some corners on the video but it truly is one of those assets that really needs to be nailed to showcase the product. Totally. And, and cause you know, I, I paused before I answered that because it was kind of, my answer was going to be neck and neck between that and PR and like making sure that you're reaching out to media beforehand. And so we, I ran around the country doing demos, doing in-person demos with a prototype for PR. And so that's also really, really important. But the way that you get their interest in the first place was by showing them the video. So I really do think a, a really high quality video is is really key, especially with something like a hard good product. You know, I think I think that on Kickstarter there are some you know creative products or music products or other things where you might be able to have a slightly different style. You know, like, I don't know if you saw this, but there's a Kickstarter video, right? Or a Kickstarter campaign right now called You Suck at Piano. And it's just like a beginner's guide to learning piano. And like their video is so funny and it's so lo-fi. You know, it's just a guy talking to a camera and, and it's so dramatically different from ours, but it's successful as well. And so I would say that my advice speaks very, very directly to those who are looking to make technology products or hard good products. Nice. So what's the biggest thing that you've learned throughout this entire process of launching three campaigns now? Oh, uh, biggest thing that I've learned. Um, I think that one of the biggest things that we've learned is trust your community and the community will trust you back. I think being transparent with people and upfront with people and honest with people. So for example, like We've had some folks write to us on this campaign being like, why aren't you doing stretch goals? Like, what the hell? And uh, we're, we're, I've been really honest with them. We've been like, hey, this is taking off beyond anything we could have expected. And rather than, you know, tripping and falling over a stretch goal, 
We'd much rather produce as many fire pits as we can, as on time as we can. And I think being honest and direct in explaining some of the things that are going on behind the scenes, the community is really receptive and welcoming to that honesty. I'm really glad you bring that up. I mean, you know, we, we see kind of a lot of entrepreneurs get caught up in all of those stretch goals. And then when they're not able to fill all of those add-ons, if you will, into, into the product, and they kind of get caught up in that, it's great that you guys have a central focus and know exactly, one, what your consumers want, and two, that you've incorporated all of these other things in there to obviously add value to the campaign, but the product should be good enough for everyone, right? Totally, totally. So what advice, given your experience in running multiple Kickstarter campaigns, would you give to someone else looking to out, you know, kickstart their outdoor gear campaign? Uh-huh. What kind of advice would I give? Um, well, I would say, you know, get your story together. Like, understand what you're improving in somebody's life and, and how you're making it better. And figure out what are all the ways that you can show that to them instead of tell that to them. I think that campaigns that are really dense and just kind of shout at you lose a lot of interest quickly. And it also helps you understand like what your visual needs are going to be, whether they're uh, photos or GIFs or video. So figuring out how you can show that to the community as much as possible. I think having some working prototypes and is really important. And I think that that's, that's a difference that I've had between this campaign and previous campaigns. You know, in previous campaigns, I've had one single prototype that I've had to guard with my life. And uh, this time around, I was able to have access to five prototypes. And that might not sound like a huge difference, but like that enabled me to travel around the country with a fire pit. It enabled me to send one to an editor who's going to review it and report back on it. It enabled me to make sure that one was out at a photo shoot. It enabled us to have one at this, three of them at the new lab birthday party. And so I think having multiple prototypes is really helpful, especially for press and, and media, because, you know, Kickstarter has a history of really amazing products, but it also has a, a history of some vaporware. And a lot of press is really hesitant to cover ideas. They want to cover products. And I think that being able to get a working prototype in front of folks is a way to create some confidence and therefore create some coverage. And then I think the last thing, this one is like, it's not particularly sexy, but like if you need to ask yourself if you're willing to fulfill to the entire world and you need to figure out your shipping strategy. I have seen a lot of campaigns actually lose money on their campaign because they didn't factor in what it would actually take to ship the products, let alone what it would take to ship the products to remote locations. And so I think that that is like a very boring logistical one. But I think that it makes a huge difference between, you know, a successful campaign and a campaign that looks successful on the outside, but you actually are going broke on the inside. Absolutely. So where are you guys headed next after this project ends? What's what's the next kind of category of product that you guys are going to come out with? Well, we after this after this campaign ends, I am going to sit around a fire pit with a beer in a rumple koozie and relax for a few days. But then after that, we're going to head straight into the holiday season here at BioLite. 
you know, we have a full website at biolightenergy.com. And so we'll be ramping up for the holiday season where um, our holiday is going to really revolve around, you know, the power of home and being home. And we're going to do a limited edition sneak preview of a product that's going to fit into that theme quite nicely. Oh, we will definitely be excited to see that when that comes out. Yeah. All right, Erica, this has been awesome. Now we're going to get into our launch round. I'm going to rapid fire a few questions at you. You good to go? Yeah, let's do this. All right. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur or work for a startup? Oh, I just love figuring shit out. Indeed. Don't we all? So if you could go camping with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be? Oh, it's Benjamin Franklin. Nice. All right. What would have been your first question for Mr. Franklin? Um, why a key to a kite? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, who did you look up to when you were growing up? Elizabeth the first. Uh, what book or, you know, what book would you recommend to our listeners? Does it have to be entrepreneurial related? Not at all. Uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Nice. I don't think we've had that one yet for the show. Um, where do you see yourself in five years? Sitting around a campfire. I knew that one was coming. All right. Last question, Erica. What does the future of crowdfunding look like? Uh, the future of crowdfunding is shared by all of us and we got to keep each other honest. Wise words, Erica. Well, this has been awesome. Please give your pitch. Tell our audience what you're all about, where people should go and why they need to go buy some BioLite products. All right. Yeah, you should go. I mean, until October 20th, Get the heck over to Kickstarter and check out the BioLite Fire Pit. Um, BioLite is spelled B-I-O-L-I-T-E. And you can check out our Fire Pit. That's, as I said, over until October 20th. The Kickstarter campaign does come with special rewards. So you'll get our free solar carrying case if you come on to our Kickstarter campaign. But then after that, you should check out our website, BioLiteEnergy.com. And that's where we have a whole array of gear that will cook, charge, and light your life away from a grid. And every product that you buy, uh, a portion of that revenue gets reinvested into the work that we do in India and Sub-Saharan Africa. So you're not just creating good energy for yourself, you're creating good energy for the whole world. Indeed. Erica, this has been awesome. Audience, thank you again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all the show notes, the full transcript, links and videos to everything we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Backer Kit. Erica, thank you so much for being on the show today. You've been awesome. Thanks very much. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests to help you build a better business. If you need more hands-on crowdfunding strategy advice, please feel free to request a quote on inventuspartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week. 